Hello and welcome back to Parallel Passion. First off, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast, but you'll also receive a special supporter package. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Patterson. If you work with Ruby, he needs no introduction. But for everyone else, he's one of the nicest people on the internet. He has a variety of passions, everything from making sausages to mechanical keyboards, public speaking, and much, much more. I'm pretty sure that after listening to this, you'll understand why we all love him so tenderly. Here's Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to Parallel Passion. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> this, this is off to a good start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. It's good to be here. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, for uh, all of those listeners who are not Ruby developers, uh, can you please introduce yourself? Like, who are you and uh, what do you do? <laughs> sure, sure. My name, my name is Aaron Patterson. Um, I'm also known on the internet as Tenderlove. That is my nickname. Uh, I work for a company called GitHub. I am on the Ruby core team, which is a team responsible for developing Ruby. And I am also on the Rails core team, which is the team responsible for developing Rails. So yes, my day job is at GitHub and my other jobs are open source stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I introduced you as that because um, you, I guess, are a pretty prominent member of, of Ruby community. Um, you are, um, it seems to be always on the road, always presenting on various conferences. And I, I want to start with that. Like, how, how did that even begin? Did you always like presenting or did you just sort of got in that role? Uh, I think, well, I think I just sort of got got into that role. Like, I... My first, the first time I gave a talk, I think was in like maybe 2008 or 2009. And I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know that giving, giving talks would be very fun. Uh, but my company said that they would like, I asked, Hey, I want to go to this conference in Japan. Like, will you, can I expense it? And they're like, well, you can only expense it if you're giving a presentation at the conference. And I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> then I submitted a proposal and I got accepted. And that's like, I was like, okay, now I'm giving a presentation so I can expense this trip. <laughs> so that, like, that's how I very first got started. I didn't know, like, I didn't know I would actually enjoy it. Or yeah, it's not, it's not like a very glamorous story, but that's where it began. <laughs> But did you uh, enjoy even that first one, or like um, when did this style that I guess is your trademark style now, just like of the beginning with just a couple of jokes and puns and like random stuff, and then all of a sudden deep uh, Ruby stuff were just like unexpectedly. Well, the first so the first talk I gave it was like the first talk I gave was at um, a conference called Ruby Kaigi in Japan, and uh, it was. I don't know, like I was pretty stressed, stressed out about it. And actually, uh, I don't know, I always get like, I even, even to this day, I still get nervous about giving presentations, but um, this one, like I was very nervous. Uh, I'd never been to this country before. And then when I gave the talk, like there were literally three people in the audience. 
So, so I was like even more nervous because I didn't like I didn't know what to do. I'm in front of like three three people, so uh, I don't know that. Like I guess just over time. So I guess for for people who don't know the presentation style I give is basically at the beginning I just make a lot of jokes and then talk about deep technical stuff after that. But the reason I do that is because like I'm insanely nervous when I go up on stage <laughs> and I found that if I like I found that if I just like make some jokes and stuff at the beginning I feel more comfortable like I get more comfortable and then I think the audience gets a bit more comfortable and then like I can dive into the technical stuff that I want to talk about I, uh, I I remember seeing you the the first time and I, I told this story before I think even to you uh, but I'm, I'm not sure like I I was uh, going to RailsConf when it was in Portland in 2013, mm -hmm. and um, like they were saying like the first day there's there's this guy who he's like um, cutting down some sausages or something like if you want to go try. And I'm like, what? Like, no, this Portland stuff. Like, Portland really is weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> and only later, like, I found out that, like, that was you. <laughs> yes, it, yep, it was me. I was making sausage, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get into sausages? Uh, the sausage business? So, okay. So, like, I I really like, um, I don't know, I like I like salamis and stuff. It's just good food. So I really, I really like eating it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I found out that um, it's not, so at the time, I don't know if the laws have changed, but at the time, it, it's not legal to sell cured meat like salamis here. Hmm. Um, so they have to be, they have to be cooked, basically. Like the oh, food right. has to be cooked. Right, yeah. Um, but salamis, like traditional, traditional salamis are not cooked. Uh, so I wanted to have like, I wanted to try like the real thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I could like, of course, if you go to a different country, you can get it, and, but I couldn't really get it very well here. So I decided to learn how to make it so that I could just eat it whenever I wanted to. Uh, and that's how I got into it. And like, I got into it because I found out it was illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why, that's why I started on it. So now you're a meat curator? Yeah, yeah. Like I I do a bunch of different like a bunch of different ones. Um I tried building it so I built several different curing chambers. So you need to be able to like when you when you cure meats, you need to be able to or you need to control the the temperature uh and the humidity. And also this this is kind of weird, but you also have to control the wind wind speed. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh but because you got to make sure the air is circulating, right? So you need to you need to have a, you need to have a like a thing that can maintain all of that stuff. So I built a I built a curing chamber to do that. It's I guess you can buy them, but it's like pretty cheap and fairly easy to make one. So I mean, cured meat is pretty popular here, but the way it's like traditionally done, and I think most um, like I don't know farms and and people who are doing it at home do it. It's just like in their basement or something, yeah. Or and then just on on the wind, yeah, right. 
Yeah, to be honest, like here here in the Northwest, I think I could actually just do it in my basement. But when I started doing it, I lived in an apartment. It wasn't really like that wasn't really an option. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you do you still go to conferences with like uh, rolls of sausage and and <laughs> give it give tastings? No, 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 no. I I like. I just did it. I just did it that one time because I thought it would be like I thought it would be fun. I, I don't really do it. I don't <laughs> do that anymore because it's it's kind of hard. So it's kind of hard to travel with it. And also, I'm I don't want anybody to get sick. Like if I get sick, it's just me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anyone to get mad at me because they're like, oh man, you know that guy, that guy Tenderlove. He gave me some. He gave me his <laughs> sausage, and now I'm I'm sick. <laughs> I don't like. I would not be very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that also sounds very wrong. So, yeah, I I don't want to do like that. Doesn't sound good. So <laughs> I'm, I, I no, I don't bring I don't bring it to conferences anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I and I remember like uh, all that, and um, then I was like uh, on on the last day when you were presenting, and just like because I was new to the Ruby community, I was new to Rails, I didn't know like who who you were and all that, and then just like during the course of those four days it, it like slowly started making sense and only at the end i was like ah now everything sort of makes sense <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i actually do so i made a um i you know i, I was saying i made a curing chamber but it's well i know we're, i know we're supposed to talk about we're supposed to talk about hobbies here but hobbies is also like programming is also one of my hobbies yeah i love i love programming and i like so you know i built a curing chamber and i started uh monitoring the temperature in it like doing data acquisition on the temperature mm-hmm, and um is it big data no well no it's fairly small right I, well maybe you should make bigger sausages then to, to have big data yeah it's only like i i I don't know how big it is. Like, how do you measure the size? How do you measure the size? It's like <laughs> 10 square meters. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but um, like I was recording the I was recording the temperature. Right. And, you know, you like the temperature of a refrigerator makes a sine wave. Right. Mm-hmm. So so it turns on like it turns on the refrigerator and the temperature goes down. And then when it turns off, it goes up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you measure the so if you measure the peaks, you know the period of the waves, you can determine how uh, efficient your refrigerator is. Right. 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 And I like I started getting since I had this data, I started getting obsessed about it. I'm like I need to make the refrigerator as efficient as possible, <laughs> and I need to be able to measure the I need to be able to measure the peaks between these waves, and. Uh, I wanted to do that programmatically, so I started learning how to use R for doing that. And like, I wasn't very like I wasn't very good at it. And I posted it on there's a there's a digital signal processing stack exchange. So I posted it there. I said like, hey, I'm I'm trying to do this. You know, I'm 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 trying to measure the efficiency of my fridge, and I want to do this programmatically. And somebody responds to me. It was so stupid. They were like, oh, uh, just like just measure it. Just like use a ruler and measure it, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> I need, I need, I need the computer to do this. Like, I'm not going to do this. This is, this has to be completely automated. <laughs> and so, so like, uh, finally, somebody, somebody responds to me and is like, hey, I like, 
here's how you do it. But this person, they had, um, they're, so I was using R and they're using MATLAB and I couldn't reproduce this. So I posted all the data, like all the data points mm -hmm. and I couldn't reproduce what the guy had done. And he's like, okay, do this and then print out, you know, make a graph. So I did it and we went and then he would look at the graph and tell me what I was doing wrong. And we went back and forth and it took maybe like, he was, this person was helping me for maybe like 24 hours. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> finally at the end of it, like I finally got it all down. So I could do this all, I could do this all in R. And at the end of it, I'm like, man, you really, like you really helped me for a long time. I really, really appreciate it. I want to say, you know, I want to say thank you. Can I like send you a beer or something like that? Is there anything I can do? And he's like, no, just please hit the green checkbox on the <laughs> on Stack Exchange. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, was, I thought it was pretty funny. It's like the power, the power of the green checkbox on Stack Exchange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So like this, this, this building a meat curing chamber it definitely relates to programming for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's you know that's the thing. Like f finding um, finding hobbies and then in them uh, you apply things that you know from from other hobbies or like from programming or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to go from here. <laughs> Sorry, I totally ruined your I ruined your <laughs> podcast plan. <laughs> yeah. That's what it costs. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is the that is the cost of doing a podcast with me. I'm gonna ruin your I'm gonna ruin your plan for the next the next topic. Actually, um when when did your um love affair with puns start? Because like your Twitter is like ninety percent puns and ten percent you're just not sure where where there is a pun and I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I guess like yeah you know I like doing I don't know I think I think just doing wordplay is a lot of fun I like doing that but I guess like um, yeah I tweet I tweet a lot of puns and mainly because like I don't know I don't want to be. I don't want to be too serious. I mean, that's that's pretty clear from your avatar, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, like, I I don't know when I get when I get online, I just want to be like messing around and like having a good time. So I just like I don't know, tweet stupid stuff. Basically, <laughs> it's just also I like I like the feeling. So I like the feeling when I say a pun and then people are like mad about it because <laughs> it can't be like it's like it's just a stupid joke and then people are like mad about it actually when i first started doing it it was it was pretty funny because i would make basically what my goal was is i would try to i'd try to say try to say a pun but uh so so i'm not making i guess i'm not actually making puns online i'm being a troll and i'll tell you this is my trolling strategy it's basically what i do is i try to make a pun like make a joke but make it so that you can't tell if it's a, a joke or an actual like <laughs> like an actual opinion when i first started doing this like people would respond to me seriously and get mad i would make a joke and then people would be like correcting me or like getting mad at me and i just thought it was the funniest thing because like there's no that like that it basically so you know you know like if you say something online you'll usually get 
you'd usually get somebody like telling you you're wrong or whatever, right? Yeah. So if you make like if you make a joke, if you make a joke and they tell you it basically takes away all of their power because like they're telling you you're wrong, but it's like, sorry, it's a joke. You can't like I literally can't be wrong. It's a joke. <laughs> so I mean, I guess it depends on the joke. You can tell some bad jokes that are not nice, but usually puns are like fine, right? <laughs> It's just it's just wordplay. Yeah, they're just the right amount of, uh, like you said, just like not really getting mad, but just like, oh my god, seriously. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like yes. scrolling your eyes emoji. That's the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I also I guess I I like it too because like I don't know I think it I think it keeps you keeps you like thinking creatively basically like I try to you know I try to think of like you have to think creatively in order to make the do this type of wordplay. And I really enjoy creative thinking, mm -hmm. but I also do it. Like the other thing is I try to do it in, uh, I, I study Japanese. It's my second language. And I try to make puns in Japanese too. And it keeps me practicing the foreign language. Right. Is, is that kind of humor, um, a thing in Japanese as well, or is it? Like... Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it may, like, well, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I was going to say it might be, like, more more prominent in Japanese than English, but English is my native language, so I can mm -hmm. make, like, lots of puns in English. Like, I can mm -hmm. do it. Like, it's no problem, right? But in Japanese, there's a lot of words that are homophones, so you can do a lot of puns with them, too. Right, right. But, yeah, for sure. I think like it's kind of interesting. I think basically every single language has punning culture. I'm sure of it because everybody likes like everybody everybody likes thinking about these weird you know play on words and stuff. So uh, everybody does it, and it's fun to it's fun to learn about it in other languages. Uh, why did you start learning Japanese? Uh, I started learning it. I think it's been. 14 years ago now i started learning about 14 years ago because i what year is it it is 2019 i started learning around 2005 mm -hmm. uh, and i did it because like i started learning ruby around that time and all of the on like all the online documentation well not all the online documentation but you know like a lot of blog posts and stuff they were they were written in japanese and i wanted to know like i really wanted to know what it was saying so I started studying it. And now, like, I mean, now I can read those blog posts, but I don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's why I got started doing it. It's just so I could like just so I could like read that stuff and then communicate, like communicate with people. I think that Ruby is a um, unique programming language in that it's a popular a popular language that came from a uh, non-Western country. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, you know, Ruby was around, Ruby was around for since what, 1995, I think. So it was around for like 10 years or so in Japan before it ever got popular in the United States. Mm -hmm. So people there, people in Japan didn't have to speak English to, to program in Ruby. And I don't think that's true with a lot of other programming languages. Like they come out of, 
english-speaking countries and yeah you know yeah it's interesting that the the language was like it's it's supposedly reads like english but like oh, er, like it was done by like, it, everything is done in japanese so that's really it's weird yeah. right <laughs> yeah yeah but I, well i mean that's it's true but i guess it's i think it's because matt was a matt's the creator of the language he he likes languages and studied english too so mm. he i think that's why that's why it's pretty it's pretty english-like but i mean since his native language is japanese of course like a lot of the documentation and stuff and the the folks around it are japanese so and are you now fluent in, in japanese uh, or do you still need some <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how do you? It's it's well, like if 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 two if two people talk to each other, can you understand them? It depends. It depends on the topic, but most of the time, yes. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's great. I I can I can like I can do most I can do most things. Um, yeah, I I guess you could say I'm fluent. I can read I can read menus and function in society. <laughs> um, Maybe I can't read. I probably can't read like legal documents or, you know. Well, yeah, I I can't read them either. That's that's <laughs> nothing to do with the language. <laughs> and so I mean, sometimes I'm like I don't know what that means. You, you know, sometimes I don't know some things, but most for the most part, yeah. And like when I give, so when I uh, speak at Ruby Kaigi, that's the Ruby programming language in Japan. Or the Ruby programming conference in Japan. Sorry, uh, the I give my talks in Japanese, so I'm I'm good enough to give a talk in Japanese, though I can't like um, I can't ad lib. So usually, like when I give a when I give a talk in English, I I come up with a you know I come up with what I'm going to say, and then in like for example in the speaker's notes or whatever, I'll put um, I'll put maybe just like. A few words of mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about, yeah, just yeah, as yeah. reminders. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that on stage in Japanese. I write down the entire, no, oh. like script basically. Interesting, interesting. So I, it's it takes me like I would say I estimate about ten times longer to prepare a speech in Japanese than it does English because I have to write down, I write down everything I'm going to say. I write it down in English first, and then I translate it. And then uh, I have to make like then I have to make some jokes because like I always make jokes at the beginning, right? <laughs> and you can't I can't like um, translate puns. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> they, 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 it's not you can't do it. So yeah, you have to come up with new ones. Yeah, I have to come up, like I have to come up with completely different ones. I remember I gave a talk. It's funny, you, like when I give a talk in Ruby Kaigi, they usually have a translator. So they'll do, they'll translate Japanese to English. And, um, so yeah, I, rec I recommend this conference. You don't have to speak Japanese. They have translators, so everything's fine. Uh, but it's funny because you meet with a, like you meet with the translators before you give a talk and they review all your slides. And I have these, you know, I make these puns. And oh yeah, of like, course you, they're not translatable. They're like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, how do you translate this? And I'm like, you, <laughs> that's your job. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because, well, you know, the both me and the translators, we both speak English and Japanese and they're like, how do you translate this? And I'm like, you don't, you can't. It's, <laughs> 
they're like, what should we say? What should we say? And I'm like, well, I guess there was one, there was one. I'm like, well, you can just like explain that it's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could give like a, like an equivalent in, in English, like just have the, the English version of the, of your talk to translators. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like there's one, there was one when I was working for Red Hat, uh, the name Red Hat, it sounds like in Japanese, if you say it, it sounds like um, Red Pigeon. Mm -hmm. So I made a joke. I made a joke about that. But like, you can't like, it's just not. It's, it's not funny if you say Red Pigeon in English, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it's, it doesn't like, it doesn't make any sense. You can't do it. <laughs> uh, so that's one of the one of the challenges. Yeah, I I like sometimes uh, see on your Instagram you post like a lot of weird weird stuff from Japan, and it's really fascinating how they have the same things but in like very different flavors, like uh, I don't know Pringles and Oreos and all that like stuff <laughs> stuff that you put there is like who would even buy this? Like why does this exist? Ah uh, yes, yes, I love like I love I love buying that stuff. It's so good. <laughs> But is it really good? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's it's novel. How's that? It's different. Like I like buy I like buying that stuff because it's weird. Basically, that's why. And do you bring it back to to US to share with people, or do you? Well, it depends. It depends on what it is. Like some of the stuff. Some of the stuff I do. Usually, I just keep it there. There's one. There's one can't like here. Here in Seattle, we have a pretty large. Um, Japanese population so it's like they import people import a lot of stuff so mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of the stuff like I can just go to a store here and buy it so I usually don't bring I usually don't bring that stuff home uh last time last time I went I bought like a whole bunch of candy that I like um but it's like I really like it but nobody else <laughs> would like it <laughs> It's like it's like the candy is like um pickled plum flavor and it's just <laughs> not <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah like I mean they have, so so in Japan they pickle they pickle plums like they just pickle plums and and why I don't know they're good they're, they're just good mm. uh, and this candy is like the pickled it's the flavor of the pickled plum and I really love it but I know that it's not like a <laughs> not for everybody <laughs> so i bought those because so i bought those they were like um one package here so i found a i found a store here in seattle that sells them but one package was like four dollars and if i bought it in japan it was like two dollars so i bought a whole bunch of them and brought them like brought them back so i'll bring i'll bring that type of stuff mm. but um i don't know like other things not so much just Uh, I don't like I don't like carrying that much stuff. Do you have any any other favorite flavors that you discovered there? Uh, I mean, I like all the weird <laughs> stuff. Like I I just buy every time I go there. I go to the like I'll go to the convenience store and go to the candy aisle and like look through like see what's new. Try to figure out like what is what's new and weird that I would like <laughs> to try. So last time I was there, I, I tried all these gummy, like apparently right now it's very popular to have, to make gummies that are like um, uh, hard so that like they're more chewy than normal gummy candy. Okay. I, get, I think that's like one of my, 
one of my one of the things I love is gummy gummy candy. I love gummies stuff. So <laughs> right. okay, in in Japan they have tons of different fla- like tons of different flavors and tons of different styles. So it'll be like very soft or medium or hard. And right now like hard is pretty trendy. So I was buying like hard gummies and eating them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that I'm like I don't know I. <laughs> I'm like one of the only people that can go to Japan and get gain weight. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, especially for an American. I like usually when people go to US, they like gain weight when when they come back. Yeah, yeah. For me, like as, as an American going to Japan, I gain a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's that's how you can measure my level of fluency. Is like okay. Can you or can you get enough good food to gain weight? And yes, I can. <laughs> well, you just go to the grocery shop and just buy everything. You don't need to speak Japanese for that, I guess. Yeah, that's that's true. But also, like they have, there's like a lot of good fried food. Mm. So I always, get, I love fried food. I mean, I, I'm American. I love fried food. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so and they have a lot. They have a lot of good fried food. So I eat, I eat all the fried food. It's so good. Yeah, you wouldn't think as like I, I think stereotypically J- Japanese are not uh, considered fat or like o- overweight. No, no. I think like I guess I think like there's a lot of um I don't know. It, here here in the US, I think that Japan is famous for having like healthy foods. You don't think of you're like, "Oh, yes, you know, you don't think of sushi as a, you know, unhealthy food." Yeah. But um actually there's like a lot of really really unhealthy foods it's just as bad as the u.s i think the the thing is like the thing is you actually i have to admit that's like basically every country every country has their food that's bad for you but super delicious Mm. right Mm. (laughs) and that like that's a, that's what I seek out whenever I go to a new country. I'm like, give me, give me all of your bad, give me all the bad stuff that tastes. Yes, good. give me all the bad stuff that tastes good. That's what I love. <laughs> or if it tastes weird, and I can post it like that, it's like this is super weird flavor. Then that counts as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, every every country also has weird food too. Like, I went to I went to France, and I wanted to have. Um, it's called Andouillette. It's a it's a sausage, but um, it's a you know it's a it's a sausage, but it's stuffed with intestines. Okay. That that's it. So normally you you know normally you have a sausage that is an intestine and you stuff it with meat. Yeah. Where this is, it's an intestine, but it's stuffed with more more intestines. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is. It is. I thought it was delicious. I had really like. I liked it, but. I can see how it's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, again, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like we go in this weird tangents. <laughs> well, we can talk about keyboards. We can talk about keyboards. What, when did you get your first mechanical keyboard and why? Um, good question. Because like we all, we all have, well, we both are, well, you, I think, go even more than me with mechanical keyboards. Like, but I distinctly remember when I tried my first one and like when I just said like, oh, I want one. And y- you know how it goes from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, um, I'm not sure how many years ago I started, but like basically my, I was getting, um, 
uh, RSI, like my hands were hurting mm-hmm. and I wanted to find, I was like, well, I need to do, I need to do something about this. So I wanted to find a good, a good keyboard. And I had read about, I was just looking for ergonomic keyboards and I'd read about an ergo doc. So I, I decided to try it because I, like I'll try anything to get rid of the pain, you know. Right. So, so Ergodox was your first one. Yeah, yeah. Ergodox was my first one. I bought it and assembled it, and it was man, it was terrible to assemble. I did not, <laughs> I did not have a good time. That's why I thought it's like you came to that later because that's like that's advanced level. Yeah, I think. <laughs> well, I did. You know, I did a lot of like I did electronics in school, so it wasn't like doing doing that stuff wasn't foreign to me. It's just like. Uh, huge pain because it was the first that one I did was like the first generation ergo docs and you have to you had to solder you know of course you solder all the key the key or the switches on mm-hmm. but that one you had to solder surface mount diodes too and that sucked so you had to do like you know not just not just switches but also diodes and it was mm-hmm. not fun mm-hmm. uh, but after I tried that, like I tried that, and then I also switched to the Norman layout because I figured, well, I'm changing keyboards. I may as well switch. I may as well switch um, key layout too. Uh, so I just did both at the same time, and that's that's basically how I got started. Uh, and then I started, you know, from there, it just like I don't know, snowballed basically. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta try different switch. Gotta try different switches. I gotta try different keycaps. What switches did you did you start with? Uh, I had cherry browns at first, no, and they were great. Mean, yeah. Oh well, I had I had that one as the first one as well, but I never liked them. Oh really? Yeah. As soon as I got my hands on like a pair of clicky ones, and um, I tried blue, but I was like, nah, I want to try greens, and I have greens now for a couple of keyboards, and I um, I enjoy greens very much. Uh, yeah, I have so I. The browns I got, I love them. I thought they were really great. I think browns are like, I think browns are probably the perfect ones for people starting. Mm, yeah, yeah, probably. If you don't know what switch to get, I think browns are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, then I tried, I'm like, well, I want to know what the clicking sounds like. So I tried blues, but um, they were they were like Gatoron blues. Hmm. and what's that they're supposed to be similar to cherry right but i wanted to know like okay what is what does real cherry sound like so then i so this is how i this is how i got like five ergodoxes <laughs> so i got my first one that had browns and then the next one so like people say like oh you just get a switch tester right but i don't think i don't really believe in switch testers <laughs> you don't believe in them the, <laughs> <What are> you... <laughs> they exist I they, I believe that they exist. Yeah, they do. I have one. Yes. I have one right here. <laughs> but I don't think that they. I don't think that they give you a good representation of what it's like to actually use that switch. Oh yeah, no, that that they don't know. But you can you can gauge how loud they are and like roughly how it it feel like if you you can see the difference is between like linear and clicky and tactile. Sure. Yes, but you don't know what it's like. You can't tell what it's like to use that type of switch on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, yeah. That's... So what I did was I said, okay, well, I, I mean, clearly the solution here is I have to buy another Ergodox, and <laughs> clearly <laughs> with with uh, clear switches. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. So I put I put cherry. I had one with Gatorons, and then I'm like, I gotta try cherry blues. So I bought another one, and I put cherry blues on it, uh, and then. That's what is that? That's three Ergodoxes, and then um, I got a 
uh, fourth ErgoDox because the have you heard of the ErgoDox EZ? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I heard, I saw it though, that you have it. That's that's how I know of it. Okay, so so they just it's a company that just makes they manufacture ErgoDoxes. So I just bought one from that. Actually, I bought one from them, and it had cherry browns in it. But um, like I as I said earlier, I had already built one with cherry browns. But the reason like when they came out with theirs, they announced like a, they announced like a, what is it? It was an Indiegogo campaign. Mm -hmm. And I like, I joined the Indiegogo campaign at the same time as buying a Ergodox kit. Right. 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 So eventually when the campaign finished, they finally sent me the finish. They finally sent me the finished product. And unfortunately by that time I was like, I know I don't want cherry Browns anymore. Yeah. So because yeah, you have that already anyway. Yeah, the keyboard was great. Like it was really, really great. I loved it, but I like the easy itself was a really great keyboard, but I didn't want Cherry Browns anymore. And then so now I finally have the Ultima keyboard, I think. Uh the company Ergodox Easy, they made another Ergodox, but they put um uh sockets in it so you can replace the switches. Oh, okay. So I bought that, and after that I bought um, uh, Nate. What did I buy? I bought box Kayla switches, box navies. Don't know that. What's what's that? Oh, it's it is my favorite switch. It is like the loudest switch possible. <laughs> so basically, I'm trying to make like the most annoying keyboard ever. Uh, so like it has a it has a. <laughs> They call it the click bar. <laughs> and if you look in if you look inside the switch, like when the switch goes down, it like flicks this bar. <laughs> like the only reason the, the only reason that bar is there is to make noise. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like, okay, so so cherry switches, cherry switches, they click when you press them down. Yeah. But when you release them, they don't click. Yeah. Now the 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 click bar switches they click down and up mm, double the clicking <laughs> so you get you get double the clicks <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> sometimes it's good that you work remotely because i don't think people in office would be very happy about that oh no here like i'll type i'll type some stuff on it now <laughs> it's so good it's so good this was three letters right <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I so I have a like I have a room in my house, an office in my house where I work, and like sometimes the keyboard is so loud that my my wife will close the door and she's like, "It's too loud." And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> I did it." Actually, I have a so I've been working I've been working remotely since like 2008, mm -hmm. and um, GitHub is the first like GitHub. When I started at GitHub, I had to go to the office for a, a week. The The main office is in San Francisco, and I had to go there for a week for, like, training or whatever and for onboarding. Mm -hmm. And um, I hadn't been in an office for that long in, like, I don't know, six years or something. <laughs> and I'm like, I... 
I, so I went to the office, but I also brought, I knew I had to be there for a week. So I brought my ErgoDocs with me and it had cherry browns on it. And I didn't actually realize how loud those switches are. I mean, they're not, they're not quiet. But the browns are the, yeah, they're the most silent. They're like the most tolerable, I guess. Yes, they're, they're the most tolerable, but they're not quiet, right? Like they're not, they're not silent. No, like no mechanical keyboard. No, especially if you compare it to like a MacBook a macbook keyboard right well so the new ones are loud as well the the one with no travel yeah the new ones the new ones are loud but at the time it was like the older the the yeah yeah, yeah. chiclet ones i guess the keyboard that actually worked yeah <laughs> so so i brought my keyboard in and i'm typing on it and i'm like oh my god i'm so loud i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh actually a couple times ago so i i don't actually bring the I have an ErgoDox for home. That's my daily daily driver, and I bring one with me. The one that I take for travel is a plank. Oh, yes, I have a plank. I love my plank. Uh, well, I have a. Do you have the plank? I have it right here. It is called the uh, the plank light. No, I have a regular one. Yeah, so I have I have. <laughs> what's what's slim about it? Because this is like a tiny keyboard already. Is it just like a? It's very, it's very slim. It's much, so I have a plank as well. I have another, or I have normal planks. I think I have two or three of them. Uh, (laughs) How many keyboards do you have? (laughs) A lot, too many. Uh, So the, the, the plank light is, I would say, what is this? Maybe the case is maybe five millimeters thick, I would guess. And then the real thing is that they use the real way that it gets slim is it uses chalk, uh, chalk keys, which are not, they're not cherry style. So they're much slimmer keys. And the, um, the keycaps themselves are also very, very slim. I'll send you a, I'll send you a photo. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it, but it's not on the official page. So is this like a, a mod or what is this? No, it's, so it's funny. They like, the company Ortholineo, they they did a thing with Masterop to produce this to produce this keyboard, right? And it was only it was only available on Masterop, and as far as I know, they like you can't buy it anymore. Wow, yeah, I see it. Wow, that's a interesting interesting profile. Yeah, it's super nice. I love it. It's my it's my favorite travel keyboard for sure. If only it had Bluetooth. Like that's the only thing I don't like about the plank. Like it yes. just just give me Bluetooth in there. Like that would be awesome. Yeah, if it had if it had Bluetooth, it'd be the ultimate the ultimate travel keyboard for sure. Yeah. But yeah. it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's better than the it's better than the the laptop keyboard. But yeah, that's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> I you know people hate so people hate on the Mac on the Mac keyboard but I actually like it. I think it's a nice like I think it's a nice keyboard for a laptop, right? Mm. You're not going to get I don't I don't like it because it has like no travel and also like it just stops working randomly. Uh I I so I haven't encountered the stops working thing but I I have to admit, like I never use mine. Yeah, that that's why that's why I like it. <laughs> I only use it. So the only time I really use it is if I'm on an airplane and it's like too hard to get out my normal keyboard. <laughs> and that I mean that's pretty rare, right? Like it's not. I mean, I fly fairly frequently, but when you when you consider the amount of time I spend in front of a computer, like that's very small, mm. you know, not frequent. Yeah. So. The, the other day, the other day, 
I don't know how this happened. So I remap on my on my laptop, I remap my caps lock to control. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you do that and you hit caps lock, the light doesn't come on. Yeah. And somehow, I don't know how I did this, but caps lock came on and I got stuck on caps lock. <laughs> like I have no idea how I did I have no idea how I did this. And I'm like, no, am I like, am I getting the broken keyboard like everybody else is having? Is that is that happening to me now? How am I gonna get this out of caps lock? Well, you can just ch- change it back and then press caps lock again and change it back to control. Yeah, that's what I that's what I had to do. But I was like, how is this how is this even messing up? Like, why is this mm. I I've had this setting on for years. Like I can't remember the last time I used I I can't remember the last time caps lock actually meant caps lock on my computer. Yeah, I, I have it uh, mapped to uh, F16 and F16 toggles Alfred. Uh, so like whenever I encounter a computer without Alfred and I'm just pressing like that caps lock key and nothing is happening. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you open anything? Like, I, I forgot how to <laughs> like how to work with computers. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> so I was at I, I was at. Um, Recently, I was at uh, Balkan Ruby in Bulgaria, and I hooked my laptop up to the, like, we, we decided, so, <laughs> speaking pro tip is to always, always check your, always check your connection, like, always set up your laptop before you actually give a presentation, like, check it on the, check it on the screen and make sure that all the configuration settings are correct, because you don't want to, like, you don't want to be configuring your laptop in front of an audience. It's not fun, right? Yeah. Uh, so this time, like this time, the they were running a little bit late, and they said, "Hey, do you mind?" Like we had originally, there was a ten minute break before my talk, and they said, "Hey, do you mind if we like can we bump you up or can we just eliminate the break?" And I was like, "Okay, well, I haven't tested my laptop yet," and I was like, "But you know, I got a Mac, so it should be fine." It's usually, you know, usually fine. <laughs> And of course it was, it was not fine. I hooked it up and like stuff was not, it was not working well. And the, um, the, the, one of the organizers came to help me and I like let him drive on the computer. But the, I think the default, um, search. So when you, when you use spotlight, yeah, spotlight. So the default, I think the default key combo for spotlight is command space. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I have that remapped to switching keyboards. So <laughs> when you hit command when you hit command space it turns to Japanese. So you type in Japanese on my laptop and he was trying to use he was trying to use search but then he switched the he switched the keyboard to, to Japanese and then couldn't type anything anymore and I'm like oh no. <laughs> so so it was just like it was everything was failing i'm like no <laughs> so i was mess- like i was messing up and it was getting my computer was getting messed up for him and like oh man i was fumbling for maybe like i don't know five minutes on stage trying to get this trying to get the computer set up but yeah so yeah you have to you have to try it before you present yes test it always test in advance yeah well, you know on plank you, you have the mechanical layout so you changes like on the hardware side yes not on software side and the problem is that i have this really bizarre combo for changing it because i never change it um but then sometimes by accident i change it and then like my keyboard doesn't work anymore like whatever i type like different letters are coming out and i'm just like ah oh, how do i change it back <laughs> 
what I do is just like I unplug it and then plug it back in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I know that. I know that too. I I was thinking. So I was actually thinking um, the other day. One thing I need to do is. So I don't know if your your listeners know about this, but with one really cool thing about like we kind of touched on this a little, but one cool thing about mechanical keyboards is you program it and it's in the hardware. Mm-hmm. So I like that because I can have any layout I want in my in my keyboard, any key combos, whatever I want, and it doesn't matter what computer I plug it into; yeah. it just works, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's it's really cool, especially if you're doing like pair programming with anybody. So you bring your you bring your your keyboard and plug it into their computer, and your keyboard just works fine, and they can continue to use their laptop keyboard, and it works great. Yeah. Uh, so you can program anything into the into the keyboard that you want. But I was thinking the other day, like my cat loves to sleep on my desk, and you know, cats they don't care about anything, <laughs> and she like they don't care where they're lying so she'll like try to sleep on my keyboard <laughs> and of course this like types a bunch of crap into my computer <laughs> so what i was thinking is since since you can program the keyword to do anything i want to do like a cat mode layout <laughs> that like basically you hit it you hit a key combo and it'll just disable the entire disable the the keyboard until you type a combo again right or you can you know just move the keyboard away no that doesn't work it literally does not work i tried that and then she (laughs) just like moves onto the onto the keyboard i think that so cats basically cats expand to fill the the area that's available (laughs) so it doesn't matter where you move (laughs) they'll find it and sleep on it so you can't like you can't do that uh, so I'm going to do that. I was, I noticed though that she likes to sleep on one side of the keyboard. So I was thinking maybe I could do like a, uh, she sleeps on the right side of it. So I was thinking maybe I could do like a left-handed thing, like make it one-sided so I could just do key combos and have my whole keyboard on one side. And then which one is that? Uh, Gorby Puff or Choo Choo? Choo Choo. Yeah. Gorby Puff comes, Gorby Puff comes into my office, but Choo Choo really hangs out here and likes to like, she she loves me only <laughs> she doesn't like anybody else she she only likes me and so she'll like she always hangs out with me and sleeps on my desk and stuff so mm. it's funny she like in the morning she follows me around until it's time for her to sleep and then she goes into my office and sleeps and then in the evening follows me around all the time and meows and it really <laughs> annoys Abby. <laughs> And she's probably happy because you gave her such a unique name. Yes, yes. Or she doesn't understand. <laughs> uh, and it's 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 always funny when you have that slide and you just like the, the names just keep on piling up. Yeah, so her, her full name is SeaTac Airport, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> I have a feeling you just add another another name when a new social network comes around. It's like, oh yeah, you. Yes, are, that's, no, exactly, MySpace that's exactly. That's well. exactly what we do. Yes, yeah, yeah. MySpace, MySpace. Yeah, I forgot that one. <laughs> she, well, she. So her, her. Um, we bought her from a breeder, like a cat breeder, and the cat breeder lived. Like, there's a town. This is really funny. So, uh, you know, I live in Seattle, and south of us there is a city called Tacoma. 
Mm-hmm. And there was a city in between Seattle and Tacoma. And of course, like that, that's, that city is where the airport is. Um, and it's really funny. They named their city SeaTac. They just took Seattle and Tacoma and like put them together. <laughs> well, it's in between. Right? <laughs> yes. But I'm like, I want to know, like, I, I want to be, I want to, I want to be in the city council meeting. You know, taxi, taxi wouldn't work. No, a taxi would not work. <laughs> but I want to know, like, they're, they're like, you know, we just can't, we just can't come up with a name. Just can't think of one. So let's just take the two, like we're in between the two. We'll just glue the two together and now boom, we got a name. But anyway, that, that's where, um, uh, the breeder lives that we bought her from was in SeaTac. So we named her, we named her after the airport. <laughs> so she's a, she's SeaTac airport. And that, then, then we just added all the, all the stuff to the end of it. Uh, but Gorby, he, so his, you know, his name is Gorbachev Puff Puff Thunderhorse the third. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, he's not actually the third. We just gave him the name. Um, but we got him. So we bought him from a breeder, too. And he was a he was a retired stud cat. So he was used for breeding. Mm-hmm. And she was she was done with him. And she's Russian. And we went, we went and met him and we bought him from her. And she told us his name and his Russian name. And like, we left and I get in the car with Abby and I'm like, do you remember his name? And she's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so we're like, well, we got to name him like something Russian. So I was like, okay, how about like, we got to, we'll name him either Gorbachev or like Poroshki. And <laughs> it's, so Evie was like, "Okay, let's name it. Let's name him Gorbachev." So we we went with that, <laughs> and then and then Puff Puff because he's puffy, <laughs> and then Thunder Horse because that's like I I was always thinking if I ever change my like if I if I was gonna become like a metal rock star like if I became <laughs> a, a a metal performer just, just by accident yeah I would change my name to Thunder like I would everybody in my band we would all have the same last name and we would all be Thunderhorse. So I decided to name him I decided to name him Thunderhorse. I was hoping that when I got married I could change my last we could change our last names to Thunderhorse, but my wife did not go for that. <laughs> yeah, speaking of made up names, where does tender love come from? Uh is it I don't know. It, it's well, a, a couple different places. Basically like it was just an inside joke with friends of mine. I, I have a friend who she is like, she was like, uh, we're hanging out, me and a bunch of friends, and my my friends were like, what is the? I'll try to paint a picture for you. Basically, me, <laughs> me and a group of my friends. All of my friends happen to be women, and they would talk about stuff like talk about interesting things and one of the one of the topics for discussion we were all sitting around watching a movie they were like what is the grossest thing that a guy can say to you and my friend says oh the grossest thing a guy can say is uh tender love (laughs) and i just almost died laughing so i like (laughs) 
so I made a website and I posted like I made a website which is my blog now and I just posted pictures like me and my friends it was just like a blog of photos photos of us hanging out and I sent her a link to it and she was like no I'm not clicking that (laughs) (laughs) and then she clicked and it was just like all of us you know all of us hanging out so it was basically an inside joke with an inside joke with friends of mine right uh but I use the reason I use it online, like I use it online because at that time, like a lot of the, I think it's, I think it's now it's a lot more common to go by your real name online. But at the time I think people, like most people did not go by their real name. Yeah. And, um, people kept using, especially in the programming community, people would always use like very serious names. Like, I don't know zero cool i know it's from the hacker <laughs> but you know like you know what i mean like things yeah, like yeah. things like thing names to show like how awesome they are how badass they are like thunder horse yes <laughs> and i i just thought like i just thought it was so stupid i'm like i don't think like who cares this is just <laughs> like we're just online like talking about stuff and programming why does this have to be so serious so that's why i use the that's why i use the name Right. The name online. And now, unfortunately, I can't like I can't get rid of the name. It's my name forever. (laughs) I started like I started at uh, when I started working at Red Hat, one of my one of my colleagues said to me, she was like, I'm not calling you. I'm not calling you tender love. And I was like, that is fine. I actually, it's fine. Please call me Aaron. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that, that is my real name and I'm very happy with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But now because of all the puns, you even like, even your name is used against, you now. Yes, yes, yes. I can't like, it's, I've given up, like it's there forever. <laughs> so whatever, like maybe when I retire, I'll just be like, I'll pass the name on to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um i i think this is as, as good a, a point as any to, to to wrap this up <laughs> and um i i want to wrap with a, a question that i uh always wrap up with and it's that um what would be uh three things that made like an impact uh on on your life or that like changed your life and uh, like this can be books or articles or mechanical keyboards like three three things that uh made made an impact on you three things that made an impact on me <sighs> that's really that's that's a tough question to answer i would say i mean first first i would have to say uh ruby and rails made a huge impact on me I, so I was a programmer. I was a programmer for many years before I found Ruby and Rails, and those were the that was the first time where I was happy programming. Like that was the first time I was like, I love this job. Right mm-hmm. before it was before it was just a job, and then when I found those things, I was like, Wow, I love this job. This is an amazing job. I love this. So that's where I I think that's how I really fell in love with programming. Um. As far as books are concerned, the one one book that changed my life was uh, this is so cheesy. I don't want. I hope that Michael Feathers doesn't hear this, but his book, Working with um, Legacy Code, changed my life with regard to programming. It's one of the best books I've one of the best programming books I've ever read, uh, and I was I've been lucky enough to meet him and get to know him. So I hope he doesn't hear this because. <laughs> 
I don't want, I don't want him to be like, I don't want him to be embarrassed or anything, but I really, really love this book. I'm, I'm such a huge fan. Yeah. Like no worry. He's, he's not going to stick. He's not going to stick with one hour of this. So I think you're good. <laughs> uh, and then I would have to say, I would have to say like the third thing is probably the people that I've met in uh, the Ruby and rails community. They, they changed my life for sure. Mm. Uh, especially the especially the folks on the uh, Ruby core team, or excuse me, the Rails core team, and the Ruby core team too, but especially the Rails core team. Yeah, they they like they changed my life for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy working with them. I hope they don't hear this either. They're gonna get embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, uh, do, do you have anything else you, you would like to, to add here? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think so. I love mechanic. I love mechanical keyboards and, <laughs> and programming and, <laughs> and sausage and weird food. <laughs> um, well, uh, thank you, Aaron. It has been a, a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really great. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was entertaining for sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. This was my interview with Aaron. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you would truly make my day if you post a review there. And by sharing it on social media, you're making my day even better. If you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything else that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also financially support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. Or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you. You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Parpasspot on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 30. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day. Is that is that your cat? Yes. Can you hear her snoring? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, when I'm pair programming, this is happening. The they'll be like, "What is what is that noise?" I'm like, "What, what noise?" Like, so, something snoring. I'm like, "Oh my god, it's my cat." <laughs> uh,